All right. Well, good morning again. We are grateful for the opportunity to look at God's Word together. The Part of the text was read during the Gospel, and we're going to continue on in Acts chapter 3. So please, if you have your Bibles with me or grab a pew Bible there and turn to Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 11 uh, through 26, would you please stand in respect for God's Word if you are able? And I'm going to read Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 11, following the healing of the paralytic, the one who was begging for alms at the temple gate called Beautiful. This is on the heels of that account of healing. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? as if by our own power or piety had made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one who you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him to you. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one who God raised from the dead, a fact to the wit a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of this faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. The faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, brethren, I know you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed to you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like like me from among the brethren to whom you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also has announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to really the ultimate reason for Jesus coming. It's the forgiveness of sins. It's our greatest need. Thank you that it's so clear in the scriptures, especially in this text. Would you open our eyes to your truth this morning that we can share that with joy to the world around us. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. As was read earlier in Luke chapter 24, there was an assignment or there's a reason for ministry given after Jesus' resurrection. It was Luke chapter 24. And Jesus said specifically, and I want to remind us of this this morning. These are are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and the prophets must be fulfilled. That brings us up to the cross, doesn't it? And the resurrection. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And here's the key that we want to look at. 
and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Maybe you can see why the world mission director likes this text. (laughs) It's why the Christian church, why we love this text. Following the resurrection, there was the great commission given. We read about that in Matthew. This is really the great commission of Luke, that the repentance of sins be preached through all the nations. And that's the title this morning. It's all about the forgiveness of sins. That's why we gather together to share this message that we have a great need and it's our sin that separates us from God. And only by repentance of our sin and trusting in Jesus as that Savior, as our personal Savior, that's the only way there can be forgiveness. And that is great news. That's the gospel. The law tells us we're sinners and we are condemned. And then the gospel, the sweetness of the gospel says there is a Savior. It's Jesus. And that's the joy we have to proclaim this morning. There's a a good definition of repentance in Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return. It's going in a different direction. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Returning to the Lord is is repentance because by nature we are all running away from God from the moment of conception. We believe, don't we? The scriptures, we were born in sin, conceived in sin. That sinful nature we have. We confessed it this morning. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. We confess it. It's good to be reminded of this great truth of why we are here, what our ministry is. We're going to look this morning at the extent of God's forgiveness to three groups of people. Uh, Is it okay if I have a three-point message this morning? I'm going to tell you what they are. I I felt a little guilty. I saw in the pews there it said sermon notes, and I thought, I probably didn't send Pastor Will for any uh, sermon notes to, to put in here. But the sermon notes, we're going to look at three groups of people. We're going to look at some curious people from our text. Those are the people we're going to see that were present, and this man was healed, whom they knew well. They knew it had happened So they became very curious. So we're going to look at the curious group. We're going to look at God's enemies. And then we're going to look at at us, uh, our, our day, this day of grace we're living in. The day that Jesus said would come, there would be a time that the forgiveness of sins could be proclaimed to all the nations. That's our time today. The first group of people are the curious people. Uh, Verses 1 through 12 was read earlier, or 1 through 10. And then in verse 11 and 12, they are amazed. Verse 11, they were full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied, why are you amazed? Why do you fix your gaze on us as if by our own piety or our godliness, our own greatness, we made him walk? It's not us, it's Jesus. The people were curious. They saw this healing. (laughs) They, they were interested, and then they, they were interested enough and curious enough of what had happened that they stayed for the sermon. Isn't that what we hope to do in our communities? Provide something curious for our communities to say, why, why do the folks over at Joy, why, why, why do they have a peace about them? Or what, what is their joy? And who, who's made them so joyful? What is that, that place all about? And oh, that we would be willing and bold enough to share. It's because of what Jesus has done in our life. I can have hope for tomorrow. And and when there's a death of a close friend or loved one, we don't grieve without hope. Because the scripture says that 
we will see them again with all that love Jesus and be united. We don't grieve without hope when God calls our loved ones home. That is strange behavior for the world. Jesus wept. There's an emotional loss. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. But we don't grieve without hope. And that is the tremendous promise we have. Be ready to share that with people. There's, there's death and sickness all around us. There's financial difficulties. There's hurting families. Matthew and Edna down in Paraguay, pray specifically for them because they are in a community, Via Rica, Paraguay, where they can't find a solid family unit. As an example, they are like the family unit in the city. And people are asking, what, how, why are you so different? That this is our missionaries on the field. Often they're, they're the only stable family. We need to pray that their marriage is strengthened and that their family is strong. There's a young man that was curious about them. His name is Edu. It's short, I think, for Edward. <laughs> That's a good name. Edu met them in Asuncion, the capital of Paraguay. And he was so impressed. And he told me this personally. I asked him, I said, why have you moved from Asuncion, the capital of Paraguay, to Villarica, two hours away? He said, what this family has, I have never seen. And I want my life to be like this. They love one another and their children. I want to learn as much. So he chose to go to university in the same town and be a part of the church. He leads worship with them. Oh, that our, our testimony of Jesus would draw people to Jesus, to learn more about him, to study his word. And we see this happening. The curious people in this text, they were, they were curious because there was a healing. Now, today, that would be amazing too, wouldn't it? And, of course, some of the things we hear about where evangelists try this and it's revealed that it's trickery and it's fake and all this. Jesus was not a fake. And Peter and John, as they were coming in, they said, in the name of Jesus... Stand and walk. And there was this time of healing. But the greater need always pointed to the great, the, this healing always pointed to the greater need of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus went around healing, touching people. We know these wonderful gospel stories. But the healings were intended to create an interest in the greatest need of all is forgiveness of sins. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus healed a paralytic. And he, he made a comment that made the religious leaders very angry. He said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes, the Pharisees, became very angry, said, who does this man think he is? Jesus' response to that in Matthew 9, 5, and 6 was, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise and walk? Now, the point Jesus was making is, he, we could look out at the crowd and say, ma'am, your sins are forgiven. Oh, sir, your sins are forgiven. Uh, young lad, your sins are forgiven. What, what proof is there? It's just talk if someone says something we can't see. But Jesus was explaining that to show that the Son of Man himself has authority to forgive sin, he was going to do a healing. Let me read on. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, he said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed and go home. The reason for the healings in the scriptures were always to point to that greater need because it's all about the forgiveness of sins. That's the message we bring to people. 
That is why we don't have to say, Where, where's the power in the gospel? There, there are sick people. Well, the power of the gospel is my testimony that as a five-year-old, I understood what sin was, came under conviction of sin, and I realized the gospel was shared with me. It's Jesus that wants to forgive your sin. Would you trust in him and ask for forgiveness? And I can testify of the peace and joy Jesus gives. And many of you in this room, I know you have testimonies similar. Share those. Would you please start with your family, like the mission text we looked at? First of all, find your own brother and say, I found the Messiah. He forgave my sin. I met Jesus in the word. And there's a promise that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? (laughs) All unrighteousness. You see, it's all about the forgiveness of sins. That's what the gospel is. Comes in because we have that great need. Oh, that we would continue to create that atmosphere through our ministries, both in world missions and at joy here, that people would be curious. What, what, why are these people gathering together? Why are they doing this? Why are they serving? Why? It's because of Jesus. Let's share that with them. That second group of people, that was the first group of people, the curious. Also in our text, we have a group of people that I'm calling the enemies, God's enemies. Uh, verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified Jesus the one who you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release Jesus. That was a very bold statement of Peter to say. He gets even bolder. You put to death the prince of life, the one who God raised from the dead. Do you see the correlation there? God raised him from the dead and you put him to death. You tried to put him to death, but God raised him to dead, raised him to life. And even a correlation with this beggar who was now able to leap and Be joyful and praise God, a fact which we are all witness to in verse 15. The enemies of Jesus, was there no hope for them in our text? (laughs) No, quite the opposite. They, They were curious about the healing. They stayed for the sermon. And by verse 19, here's the call. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The only way there is peace and joy in life is from receiving the forgiveness of sins. I wonder how much of the stresses in life and the mental illness, whatever we are struggling with as a people, how much can be attributed to unconfessed sin, bitterness, hurt, realizing nobody could ever forgive me for what I've done, these things. And God's word, the gospel is so sweet. It says there is forgiveness for every sin. If you are convicted of a sin, you feeling sorrowful, there is forgiveness for you. That is the Holy Spirit working in your life. That is always good news. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven when there's a conviction of sin, when there's a sorrow over that. God's forgiveness even extends to his enemies. Really, aren't we God's enemies when we don't know him? Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So that, that's good news, that we are the enemies. Sometimes we think the enemies of God are just those that, that hate the gospel or want to get rid of all the Bibles or don't want to see churches anywhere and they want to close things up. No, people, we are, we are enemies without Jesus. And God's... Forgiveness extends to us, his enemies. 
Psalm 32, verses 3 and 5, David knew this. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, my, bo- my, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained as in the fever heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That text, I I always just picture this weight being taken off, David. And that's where the joy comes from in life, of being forgiven, to know there is forgiveness. Another prayer request I have for you is for our, our congregations in India. Those 55 congregations, uh, 39 of them have church buildings of one sort. Others are, are, are meeting in different areas. But they're trying to reach a culture, uh, the Hindus, that have millions, hundreds of millions of gods. If, if there's an insect, an animal, a thing, a tree, they worship it, the Hindus. They, they, they just don't know any better. It's in, it's in the human heart to worship. We know we're created to worship something. We look at ourselves and say, I, who created me? And, oh, I must worship the sun, the moon, something, something outside myself. Pray for them that they could bring release from that human desire to think we have to do something to please God. We don't have to do something. It's been done. Even in Hinduism, it's, I must do, I must do, I must worship, I must give, I must decorate, I must make a trip and worship the monkey god, whatever it is. And as we travel through India, we see statues 79 feet tall. I thought that was big. A monkey god, 79 feet tall. Now there's a new one. It's 95 feet tall. You got to always make a bigger one, you know, because we're not doing enough. And it's a bondage. But there's sweet testimonies coming out of villages in India of Hindu families coming to trust in Jesus this picture I showed of a church dedication earlier, uh, Karamachudu, the church congregation there, they are a, a gospel witness, the only gospel witness in town. And the Hindus are curious. They're not really sure what to think about this church there. Um, they, they send their children to a tutorial program after school, and they're learning Bible songs. They get help with their homework, but they also learn scripture, and they learn Bible songs and Bible verses. And they have Bibles, and if the children want to take a Bible home in Telugu, their own language, they can take it home. Uh, just a few months ago, one of the families was very upset that you are, you're trying to proselytize our son. He's only there for math, Helps, help with his arithmetic. No, no, we don't give him. If he wants a Bible, we let him take one. So our, our son asked for that book? Yes. Oh, well, well then I guess that's okay. So if we can get God's word in the lives of these people that are looking for the truth, ah, there can be spiritual life. There can be life in Jesus. Pray for that country as well, for all the countries where our missionaries are as well. We don't have missionaries in India. The government won't allow it. You can be there as a a social worker, uh, some humanitarian, but we cannot have pastors there. God's forgiveness extends to his enemies. Even those who are worshiping false gods, even those who worship something in America and have no time for God. God's forgiveness extends to them. It's offered to them if they will only receive it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then finally, God's forgiveness extends to us, the third group of people. This day of grace, 
this is exciting for me because when I look at verses 20 through 26, it talks about one day, the prophet's saying, one day there would be a Messiah coming. One day there would be someone who would come to make a final sacrifice for sin. And the temple rituals, you wouldn't have to do this anymore. And Peter says, this is that day. Verse 24, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. That was Peter's day. It's the New Testament era. It continues to this day. It's what Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We read that in the beginning of Acts. God's forgiveness extends to this day. This day of grace has long been foretold, and it's for us. Isn't it good to know there's still time for ministry? 1 Corinthians 15.11. Paul was addressing the power of the gospel, and I need this encouragement today. He says, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. I've meditated on that verse a little bit. Isn't that the way it works today? And, and preach. We can, if, if preaching scares you, put the word proclaim in there. <laughs> we can proclaim the word. You can share the word with somebody. Whether it was Pastor Wilfer or myself or the dear brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it was me or you. So we brought the word of God and people believed. Paul said, the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. Because it can save. In Acts 16, verse 30 and 31, Paul and Silas were asked, Sir, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they responded, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Today is that day of grace. And this day of of grace, though, Scripture tells us also it's a limited time. There's an urgency in ministry that we have. Uh, there's, a, there's a few phrases. There's four phrases. Uh, in verse 20, he says that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed. This was planned. He may send Jesus. The, the idea is that Jesus is revealed to those whose eyes are opened. God's work is to open eyes. But there's also the idea that Jesus is coming back, just as he said. That's talked about in verse 21 here, that there's a period of the restoration of all things. Jesus is going to return, and, and time will be up. In verse 23, there's a warning. Every soul that does not heed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. If we don't take Jesus, we're lost. And verse 24, this is a blessing that these days have been announced. So these are the days of salvation. A couple questions here as we close. This paralytic, the one that was healed, (laughs) Did he trust in Jesus? Well, verse 16 says, On the basis of faith in his name, it's the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Sounds like he trusted in Jesus. Did the enemies of the day believe in Jesus? Did those who had persecuted Jesus and sent him to death, did they believe? Well, I, I kind of have a surprising answer for you here. In the next chapter, so I stopped at verse 26. Next chapter, verses 1, 2, 3, and then verse 4 tells us this. This ought to be great hope. 
But many of those who heard the message believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. Friends, we are in this day of grace still. God has had patience for 2,000 years now. And this is our generation. (laughs) Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. And it's a joy for me to be with you. And, you know, when we're visiting missionaries on the field, we remind them that there's folks back home, like you folks, in Fountain Hills that are are praying for Matthew and Ed and I. And, And places like India and Uganda, I know you folks are praying. Thank you for that. And this is our prayer that many that hear the message through us here in Fountain Hills and and beyond on the mission field would put their faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. There is great hope. And thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess every Sunday that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Lord, help us to take that to heart. First of all, to be sure that our sins are forgiven. Lord, help us to to ask the questions of our pastor or a trusted Christian friend, if we don't know for sure that we're right with you, Lord, for you want all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We pray that you would continue to give this congregation boldness for their community. Give them a love, an undying love. Give them your love for each one around them. We thank you for the partnership in the gospel we celebrate today. May you be glorified through this word that has been proclaimed and through it as we take it to those that we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.